0: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. This report brought to you by Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, visit crystalglass.ca. McDavid Center's one timer
1: score! Swing it out to the outside, and it is to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimos. Darrell Walker with the touchdown, and the Eskimos take the lead with less than a minute to go. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your
0: Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Chad. All right, we're counting down to kickoff. The Eskimo season starts tomorrow. Edmonton at Winnipeg. We have it for you on 630 Ched. The Countdown to Kickoff show will commence at 5. The game at 6.30. We'll have a full preview. Dave Campbell is going to check in in about half an hour. Eskimos injured already in the secondary, but they are facing a rookie quarterback, so Dave will break down that matchup. Counting down to kickoff tomorrow morning, the World Cup starts in Russia, and counting down to kickoff eight years from now. Can't give you the exact date quite yet, But the World Cup coming to North America, coming to Canada, which will co-host the 2026 tournament along with the United States and Mexico. It is likely, though not certain, that Edmonton will host games in that tournament. Edmonton, Montreal, and Toronto for now accepted as the uh, Canadian cities in that bid. So a lot of exciting stuff going on. It's been a pretty uh, big few days for soccer as, of course, FC Edmonton has officially joined the Canadian Pre. Premier League, which is set to launch next spring. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 630 Ched. By the way, the Oilers preseason schedule is out. I'll go through that a little bit later on, but you can get the full story on the Oilers page on 630 chadcom I am pleased to be joined in studio, a man I always enjoy talking to, though uh, because he is the owner of FC Edmonton. He sometimes uh, picks his spots when he talks because there's a lot of weight on your words, Tom. It is Tom Fath in studio. Thanks for coming in tonight.
2: Well, thank you so much for inviting us today.
0: Well, a lot of stuff going on. I almost don't know where to begin. But we'll start with the most recent news: uh, World Cup 2026. Canada going to be involved. I mentioned it's likely Edmonton will be a host city. That's that's where we're at right now. When when you when you heard the news, I know you were a big supporter of this bid. Uh, give us give us your experience this morning finding out it was was going to be a go. Well,
2: I, I was so excited about it happening that I was watching it this morning. So And it was, it was wild watching. It's, it's their first time that they've had that public vote like that. So to watch the whole process and, and with the excitement building is because, you know, anything can happen at something like that. And, and the moment when they're announcing that, that the, the bid, including Canada and, and Mexico and the United States, for that bid to come out. And what that's really going to mean for Canadian soccer and for Canadian youth it's just
0: fantastic. So the final vote was 134 to 65. Morocco was the other team involved. 23 cities overall, Edmonton, or pardon me, Canada, United States, and Mexico, part of the bid. They're going to whittle that down to 16. The speculation is three in Canada, three in Mexico, 10 in the States. But but again, we'll see how that goes. Tom, you mentioned what this means for... Uh, the next generation of soccer, and, and maybe even beyond. But from your standpoint of having been, uh, you know, you've owned a pro team since since twenty ten. Well, they started playing in twenty ten. You've owned them a little longer than that, and, and you also own a very successful academy, which which I want to get into as well. But touch on what this means for hopefully future generations of Canadian players. Well,
2: one of the most important thing with youth is is for, to create their dreams, and and. Mm-hmm the dream uh and what's the possibility of reality and so knowing that 2026 is coming it's actually more exciting potentially knowing now for 2026 than if you've only got four four years because you can you can reach those 10 12 14 year olds and 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 they can be thinking about trying to make it to the national teams so that they can be playing in canada maybe in 2026 wow
0: what about some of the, the 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 young men from your academy? Because there's a, there's a few who are now playing pro in various leagues. Are there not?
2: Well, uh, the most recent, of course, is Chom who's who was uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, the generation Adidas has been going in the states, but. They had their first two Canadians join Generation Adidas, and Shami Chom from our, from our academy was, and he had worked, he's made his way up to our first team, and uh, he was chosen, he's playing with the impact now, so absolutely, yes.
0: Right. So, uh, Tom Fath, owner of FC Edmonton, joining us. They're, obviously, you guys were in the North American Soccer League, and I know one thing, whenever you and I talked, and I referenced this with my interview with Jay Ball the other day, was like, man, you guys are traveling all over, you're playing a lot of teams in the eastern and southeastern United States. I know there were some central and western teams, but you had a lot of Atlanta, Miami, Puerto Rico in the league. And I, I I've asked you this before, like man, that the travel was insane, and there's no rivalries with these cities. Um, so you decided, you know, we're not, we're not going to be in the NA, NASL. Now that you're living that with a season with without a league, are you still comfortable with 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 that decision? Was this the right thing to do to take take a year away? Absolutely,
2: no doubt at all. It 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 wasn't it wasn't working, and uh, and it had to end. Uh, it just happened. The CanPL was 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 coming this way, and 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 taking this year off was absolutely the right thing to do.
0: So, from your perspective as an owner. Why is uh, what is going to work about the Canadian Premier League for FC Edmonton that wasn't working about the NASL? Well, you hit
2: you hit two of the key points right off the bat. The travel will be just a fraction, just a fraction, and and there's uh, the Canadian Premier League. Of course, they were talking to us starting uh, three and a half years ago. Uh, they wanted us, but we were in the NASL. Uh, but a year ago, I started going to their to their. Uh, board meetings and and uh, a great bunch of people and great staff they've put together a fantastic staff and and they're already talking about uh, possibly going on what a road trip where we hit two or two or three eastern cities at the same time well it's a huge reduction in cost but it's more than that it's a lot less travel for the for the players and and it we're going so far in the States, we were going so far compared to the local team, which was not going far, and almost every city had a direct flight to every other city down there. Right. It put us at a competitive adva- disadvantage as well.
0: Right. Well, uh, that's encouraging, and, and Calgary's going to be in the league. What are they? Cavalry FC, that's the name they're going with, so you gotta, you got a direct rivalry there. And they're still going to be announced more teams, eight or nine, to launch next year, by the sounds of it?
2: As, as many as they're going to announce, yes. Okay. But Calgary is a dream come true. I always wanted Calgary as a rival. We're such natural rivals. I mean, it, 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 it's 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 going to be so so great.
0: Yeah, you can get some fans at your away games, which again I don't think was happening a lot in uh, Atlanta or, uh, <laughs> or or some of these other places, Carolina, uh, New York, all these other places. Uh, Tom, when you look at the uh, when you look at the Canadian Premier League, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here because I know it's about eleven months before you're going to be on the field. But what will the, maybe you can't give specifics, but can you talk about provisions for Canadian players to have an X number of Canadians on the team so we get more Canadian guys playing at a consistently higher level?
2: Absolutely, and that's, that's the dream. Uh, Victor Montagliani, of the, uh, he was uh, chair chair of the board of the CSA, and, and Peter Montopley is their executive secretary or mm-hmm. director. Uh, head there, and and those two had a dream to bring a Canadian Premier League and get it started. We're the only major country that doesn't have their own Premier League, the stepping stone from amateur to pro, and and so this is this is that dream come true.
0: Tom, what is the because I know the Canadian Premier League would like you to have what seven eight thousand seats. What's what's their number? for a stadium. You know, uh,
2: I believe that the other stadiums are all 7,000 plus. Okay. Yeah, but, uh, and, 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 and really we need that. Um, but, but we're working, we're not going to talk anything much about that. We're working with the city. They're, they're great to work with. There's, there's, uh, football's been using it for years and, and our idea isn't isn't anything other than it's a community facility, mm-hmm. and and uh, we'll be there. But but football,
0: uh, we're talking about Clark, obviously you, Clark, you want to stay Clark. Clark. Yeah.
2: and but but it's 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 working out the particulars. There's one or two hundred stadiums in North America probably that have both uh, uh, North American football and and uh, football.
0: Right. So, okay. Well, I'm just I, I I know there's stuff for the city, but I'm just going to ask you this. Just to clarify, clearly it would be your preference to add some seating. Well, we're not sustainable at four thousand. Right. That's 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 what I was getting at with the original question. Yeah. So there, I know there's yeah. things that happen that, and the city has to make some decisions. But that's that's what I was getting at. Can you stick around because we got Absolutely. a bunch of other My World Cup FC Edmonton stuff to talk about? Tom Fath, owner of FC Edmonton, in studio on Inside Sports. <laughs>
1: This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet.
0: for tuning in tonight. Tom Fast is the owner of FC Edmonton. He is joining me in studio. Dave Campbell will check in from Winnipeg after 6.30 as we get you ready for the Eskimos and the Blue Bombers tomorrow on 6.30 Chet. Our coverage will start at 5.00 this will be fun at 7 o'clock tonight. Bruce Wilson will join us. He's the captain. He was the captain of the 1986 Canadian World Cup team, the only other Canadian squad ever to play in the tournament, and he's uh, been a very successful university coach at Victoria for about the last, oh, uh, 30 years. So we got a fun show planned tonight. Remember, you can always text 63630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. 2026 World Cup will be co-hosted by Canada, the U.S., and Mexico. Now, in terms of uh, what Edmonton still has to make a final cut of cities in 2020, in 2020 to host games... 30 to 50 million dollars. The cost for uh, Edmonton to, you know, get things like make sure the transportation is ready, have security, have some renovations to Commonwealth Stadium, some other hosting costs. And you may remember a story from the fall, the well, and a story from 2015 the men's games have to be played on grass. They played the women's games on artificial turf in a lot of Canadian cities. The men's games have to be on grass. The city believes that the turf at Commonwealth will be near the end of its lifespan in 2026 anyway, so they'd rip it out. The Eskimos and FIFA would play on grass in 2026, and then they'd put in artificial turf against for for 2027. So that doesn't appear to be a a big issue, as I give some of the uh, Coles notes. At least that's how I understand it, Tom. (laughs) you yes. were not you were nodding through most of it so.
2: yeah yeah and and it and it and an artificial turf field typically lasts about ten years and it was put in a couple of years ago so it makes absolute sense that it would be being changed out
0: about then right so you can put in grass for the summer you have three or four World Cup games hopefully hopefully you get Canada in yeah. one of them and, and and then the Eskimos and this will affect their schedule but uh, I mean when they had it. Usually they get a little bit of a road trip and a buy or two in there, so uh, they will miss uh, probably a month or so of home games. But that'll be dealt with down the road. Tom, uh, you know, soccer in this in this country, you see it from a, a unique perspective as an owner. I mean, you don't pretend you've never pretended to be an expert on the game, or, or you're not an ex-player or anything like that. But how do you, how do you look at um, what the impact could be? Twofold building enthusiasm for your sport and your team, which wouldn't be a bad thing, and then just the financials, not just potentially for your team, but for the country as a whole, if we're getting tourists, if we're getting people into cities, all that kind of stuff.
2: Well, and, and, and of course, there'd be experts from, for instance, the city's events team that would, would would have all those numbers. But, but from everything you hear, I mean, in what they were announcing last night is is if there if there's an eleven billion dollar profit for FIFA and and the country wants to host it, uh, the expectation is is that it's 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 a multi billion dollar advantage to the economy of of North America. So so that's huge, absolutely huge. But for for what we really care about the most, which is the uh, the youth and the development of the youth and 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 for instance our, our 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 kids in the academy, and and it's just building their dreams and their excitement, and when they're talking to other people, and 2026 is coming, and the excitement just builds.
0: And I know when you announced in the fall, okay, we're not going to do NASL this year. You were adamant saying right off the bat the academy keeps going. That's been such an important thing for you. Uh, and I know you touched on some of the players who have been success stories playing pro to that. How many how many kids, youths in a year will will take part in your academy? So we've got, on uh,
2: uh, and we started our first academy, uh, high school, male academy, in about 2011. And a couple of years later, a uh, joint ventured with Alberta Soccer, great to work with, uh, Alberta Soccer Association, female academy, high school academy. And then a couple of years after that, we started a junior high, because <clears throat> then you can build into the high school. Right. So, so I think we, we typically have about 60 to 80 youth between those three programs very successful. We've had over 16 males come up to our first team. Um, virtually all the other males have gone on to post-secondary. Uh, it really is a good road to, to scholarships for them. And 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 then we end up with pipelines into the, the different universities, a bunch into the States, a bunch into Canada. On the female side, uh, again, doing that with the Alberta Soccer Association is a joint project, but every single one of the graduates from the RECS program, which is Uh, tied back to the Canadian Soccer Association leading in the idea being a planned lead-in to the Canadian national team where possible uh, every one of them has graduated and gone on to post-secondary education, a bunch of them to NCAA schools. So wow. it's just a wonderful success.
0: Yeah, well, that's amazing. And that's been one of the best things about FCM Edmonton is, is all that work that has happened at, at grassroots and moving players on to, to other levels and being able to further their careers. So that's that's been incredible. And so that keeps going all summer, even though FC Edmonton this year doesn't play any games. So that's, that, that's great. Uh, what is... I mean, this, this is such an interesting story for me to follow. You, like joining a new league, like a, a brand new league, you, you allowed your coaching staff to go on and, and pursue other opportunities. Is that the first thing you, what you want to do now? Hire a coach, start looking for players, or what's going to be the next press release we get from FC Edmonton or the next time Jay Ball calls me and says we got to talk about this?
2: <laughs> well, yeah, and, and, and uh, one thing for sure um, since this is the second time that that I've been involved in with my brother Dave, the two of us, yeah. uh, starting a, a new team in a in a new league, it's going to be a little easier than the last time. Uh, I don't know very many people that have founded teams in 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 founding meeting. In been found, a founding member founding of, two leagues. of yeah. two leagues, But uh, um, uh, yeah, the coaching the coaches is is, is absolutely critical. Um, We've done some work on that and and uh, but it's the coach that's instrumental in putting together a team and it's just not just anybody they've got a style of play and they want players that'll match that style of play so it's it's going to be interesting and challenging
0: uh, what was the street party like for you on Friday wonderful <laughs> absolutely wonderful <laughs> they did a
2: great job of planning it that was jay he he, he was uh, so instrumental in putting that all together and he worked with the Edmonton again the Edmonton uh, uh, festival group or events group. Um, they helped him through the whole thing of having, having a, having a parade. Having, uh, having a parade. You have to get the permits. You have to. How do you line up the police to be in front and behind? You got to keep it safe for your people, and then and then to have our big big screen, Titan, twenty-two by thirty-nine foot screen, uh, to show it all on. It's just it was great.
0: We're we're into the final minute of the interview. I got to ask you a really important question. I've never asked anybody this. Who came up with the FC Edmonton Rally Rabbit? Was that a team thing or did the supporters group come up with that? It really
2: came out of the supporters group, <laughs> and so did the nickname Eddies. Right. Uh, we in in our game with the Montreal Impact, our second. It was a second or third game or whatever home game uh... in the first year and and uh, the rally rabbit came out on the field and <laughs> we hadn't beat uh... the impact yet and uh... and 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 it it unsettled montreal they were chasing it around didn't bother our guys at all there were rabbits around quite a bit and uh, that was on foot field yeah and so it just caught on it was just such and we've we've regularly had a rabbit we had a rabbit uh, one or two rabbits last year. I know, right near the end of last year, for sure, there was one, uh, but didn't come on the field during the game. They're being more respectful.
0: He's, well, he's got a Twitter account, so I guess he's tweeting during the game. The rally oh, that's rabbit. That's right. He'd so be ra- busy. The rally rabbit has a Twitter. Account. Yeah, wonderful. <laughs> Tom, thanks for coming in. Congratulations on everything going on with the FC Edmonton. Really exciting about the CPL. And thanks for your perspective on Canada and the twenty twenty six World Cup. It is always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. It's great to being here. We're back after the news.
1: You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Thanks a
0: lot for tuning in tonight. What? The NHL draft next Friday night and Saturday morning. We'll have live coverage from the draft for you here on 630 Ched Round One Friday. The Oilers will pick 10th overall. We'll segue from that into the Eskimos home opener against Hamilton. The Oilers' preseason schedule announced today. It'll start Monday, September 17th, when the Oilers visit the Calgary Flames. They will have home games against Winnipeg, Vancouver, Arizona, and Calgary. And, of course, don't forget the Oilers conclude the preseason this year in Germany with a game against the Cologne Sharks on October 3rd. They start the season against New Jersey in Sweden. And we'll have all the games for you on 630 Ched. You can get the Oilers' full preseason schedule by going to the Oilers page on 630ched.com. Of course, big story today... Canada, United States, Mexico, selected by FIFA to co-host the World Cup in 2026. Edmonton looking at 30 to $50 million to host its share of the games. Not a sure thing, actually, that Edmonton will get games. I think they have a good chance, but FIFA is still going to whittle down the number of host cities from 23 to 16. Edmonton Mayor Don Iveson says the city is still negotiating with the province to have them pick up a share of the costs.
1: We're looking at the you know 30 to 50 some million to host uh, and, a, and a positive return of 170 million. that's pretty solid ROI.
0: And Edmonton, Montreal, Toronto, the cities in the bid, it is likely it, it is likely that Canada will host 10 games, the United States 60 and Mexico 10. Uh, I I would still think it is highly likely that uh, Edmonton remains as a host city. I I think it's probably pretty likely that they stick with three, Edmonton, Toronto, and Montreal, but that won't be decided until 2020. But Canada will indeed host and uh, likely get to participate in the tournament for the first time since 1986. Well, unless we qualify in 2022. We'll see how that goes. Uh, And we'll talk more about what canada needs to do to get better and why we've kept coming up short in qualifying with bruce wilson who played on the 1986 team a little bit later on on in inside sports all right eskimos at blue bombers tomorrow five o'clock countdown to kickoff the actual kickoff at 6 30 in about 24 hours right here on 6 30 dave campbell and morley scott are in winnipeg to call the game dave joins us now how's it going buddy it's good, my man. How you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks for checking into the show. Uh, and you are a gentleman who in uh, some capacity to or another, I guess limited in some cases because of your current job, but you have covered the uh, 2015 FIFA Women's World Cup We had the uh, men's U-20 World Cup in 2007. Obviously, we had that amazing uh, women's U-19 tournament back in 2002. And even going back to before you and I would have been broadcasters, Dave, uh, Edmonton hosted several uh, friendlies or World Cup qualifying games. And maybe the most famous of all was one that didn't really do anything for Canada because we'd already been eliminated. But in 1994, that dramatic Draw one-one against Brazil. They went on to beat Italy in the World Cup final in Pasadena. So, for all those reasons, because of Edmonton's history, uh, it is it is hard to see me that Edmonton would ultimately be left off the final list.
1: Yeah, I and mean, you look at the uh, Commonwealth Stadium. It's the it's the largest venue of the three when you look at Montreal and Toronto. So Edmonton's got a lot of things going for it. At one time, this was the you know Edmonton was the the, the center for soccer Canada, and uh, it was it was known as the hub of uh, Canada or uh, of soccer in, in the country. So, you know, And I, I've read some things today about, you know, the the, the knocks against Edmonton, uh, possibly in a host city, that, that it's so north, it's a small airport, that sort of thing. But I hope the history of the city and the fact that they've been very, we've been very successful in hosting international events and most recently the 2015 uh, People Women's World Cup, uh, I would hope that that would definitely, uh, you know, in the good graces of FIFA, and that they would see, you know, see the same things and, and give Edmonton a, a shot, and I think Edmonton deserves uh, the chance to host some uh, World Cup games in 2026. So exciting day! Hopefully, we'll be excited in 2020 when they. You know, name the venues, and I hope Edmonton's on it. And I think Edmonton deserves
0: to be on it. You mentioned the, the seating capacity, and I know somebody asked me on Twitter today: Isn't BMO Field in Toronto too small? Well, they're going to expand it, or they would expand it for for FIFA games. So uh, that that wouldn't be an issue there. Obviously, Commonwealth has you know it'll be around 54, 55 thousand So it's 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 great for soccer games. You mentioned the airport. Yeah, they're going to look at that. You know, Edmonton isn't uh, isn't as large as Montreal as Toronto. Maybe doesn't have. The diversity of of the population, maybe different uh, nationalities or ethnicities uh, more tied to soccer, but but that hasn't hurt Edmonton in the past. I mean, the the hardcore fans from those other nations are going to go see their team play, and Edmonton has gone, and that was the big thing in 2002 that was a tournament where people were like, why are you putting the games in Commonwealth Stadium? It's way too big. Yeah. And then 50,000, mostly Edmontonians came, and the games on the West Coast were getting five, six, seven thousand 7,000
1: fans. Yeah, yeah. It, that was incredible that year because you know, the concert just kept growing. And, and I think it didn't make sense at the time, but after afterwards it was just such a love affair and um, unfortunately, Canada lost in the gold medal game, but it didn't take away from the magic of that tournament. It, it was just—it was just awesome. And I know with the airport issue, uh, it's not like you know that airport. The, you know, Emson International Airport is just going to stop growing. I mean, there's still plans to develop it. There's still plans to grow it. Uh, so by 2026, it's not going to look the way it is now. Uh, they definitely are, are still expanding um, the airport. So hopefully, in 2026, it won't be an issue like it is now because yes it is much smaller than toronto and montreal um but i'll tell you i think i think edmonton's airport is uh is is really growing and it's really improving because at one time yeah it was not much to behold but now i think it's really going in the right direction so so hopefully that works in edmonton's favor as well that 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 fifa sees the planning and 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 believes in it and and believes in edmonton really
0: I got to be a little cheeky here, Dave, and you know Twitter is is not a great place to judge people, and, and I, I I don't I don't want to I don't want to paint I don't want to paint Vancouverites with a common brush, but I was interesting with some people, you know, fans and media out of Vancouver, you know, saying, well, thank God we're not involved in this FIFA mess, and we don't have to invest in this stupid World Cup. You know, I think there is an element of Vancouver that that looks down its nose at the rest of the country and specifically in Edmonton, and I've known people who have moved there who have told me, man, they like to crap on Alberta and Edmonton and, and a lot of other Canadian cities, and, and, and yeah, I, great, you, you hosted the Olympics, awesome, you, you did a great job, so don't step in and crap on now other cities who are, are stepping forward and trying to host events and now acting like you're all high and mighty because you're not a part of it. That annoyed yeah. me a little bit. And I realize it's yeah. a small no, sector of no people. Doubt. I'm not trying to start a city bashing war here, but but I, I that did stand out to me a little bit.
1: Hey, I mean, I think I, and I don't know if they'll actually feel this way those that made the decision later on because i I'll tell you, I love I love DCLA, Vancouver, but there's some weird decision making uh, when you talk about levels of government in that province. You know, the fact that they decided to opt out when they have a stadium that would totally, totally be suitable to host people uh, uh, will the the FIFA Men's World Cup games, and then they decided to opt out. It, it, you know, there are a lot of people, and you're right, it's a small sector, because I think there's a lot of people in that province and in the city of Vancouver that are just absolutely astounded that the government on uh, on both levels, municipal and provincial, decided, Yeah, well, we don't need to host those games. Are you kidding me? I mean, it would have been a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, Vancouver would have done a great job. So, you know, they, they, they can crap on Edmonton all they want, but uh, if Edmonton, and hopefully they will and they should host games, then I don't think there'll be any crapping on Edmonton anymore. There'll be a lot of regret over there. That, that, that's what should happen.
0: Well, and probably a lot of people visiting Edmonton and probably Seattle too to watch games, because I, I would imagine Seattle would, would be on, would be on the list. And as we talk about this, you know, a couple of people texting in saying the airport argument is is isn't valid. Actually, somebody said there uh, an airport in Brazil that hosted games. Uh, is smaller than 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 one in Edmonton and it and it, yeah. and it hosted games. So I, I, I like again. I think it's something people are going to bring up, but I would agree with those textures. Ultimately, I don't think it's going to be a problem. Anyway, Dave Campbell joining us in Inside Sports. He's with the Eskimos in Winnipeg. Look, the the the, the storyline is the the very base storyline. If you had to tell people in one sentence, what do you watch for? You say, Winnipeg has a rookie quarterback, and we don't know how he's going to play, and that should be an advantage for the Eskimos. Now, the interesting thing is, though, the, the defense he's going to be attacking is not the, the ideal defense the Eskimos wanted to start the year with.
1: No, I agree with you. So, the storyline for me is an unknown quarterback, and Chris Trevler, faces an unknown secondary in the Edmonton Eskimos, and it became very unknown quickly because there are four potential starters or potentially four starters that will not play tomorrow and we know aaron grimes won't because he's back home dealing with a personal matter uh johnny adams and arjun colquhoun their corners are on the 16 injured list fourth high tower i would say is probably doubtful uh but that's not a hundred percent uh right now and we'll know for sure an hour before game time so you got four rookies, and they're not all rookies. Nick Taylor's going to be one of their halfbacks, and he has some experience with the Ottawa Red Blacks. But, uh, yeah, I mean, does it doesn't even the scales a bit for Winnipeg, I would say a bit, but you know, I, I still have a hard time believing that a, a quarterback in Chris Trevler's uh, situation can come out and be overly successful, and thankfully he's got a guy by the name of Andrew Harris, who's a tyrant for the Edmonton Eskimos, and he has been traditionally since his days of the BC Lions. So, but, you know, Chris Trevler starting a game, being the first CFL quarterback out of college to start in week one in 24 years since Anthony Calvillo with the Las Vegas Fosse, That here in Winnipeg for sure. And I think even from an Eskimo point of view, that is overshadowing what should be a good football game, you would hope, between two... Teams that have, uh, I think, built a pretty good rivalry over the last couple of
0: seasons. Well, played in the playoffs last year, Edmonton took the game over after the failed fake punt by the Blue Bombers, and uh, obviously, you know, Winnipeg had. Well, I guess they had the same record, but Winnipeg had. They, they did have the same record last year, right? But Winnipeg had the yep. tiebreaker for the home game. That's right. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Well, and and Andrew Harris. I mean, here's the thing. Say what you want about Chris Stravler. You don't have to be a great quarterback to turn around and hand the ball off to Andrew Harris, or oh. <laughs> or fake a handoff to him, and then you have more time. So Harris, you know, as he's often been against the Eskimos, against a lot of teams, uh, he's he's the evening factor, or often one that has put Winnipeg and BC in the past over the top. Dave, I'm going to ask you something here, uh, and I'm going to include. All 11 players on offense, not named Mike Riley, and I suppose even some of the receivers that come in. So include the O line in this. All right. What player on offense, other than Riley, is most important to the Eskimos?
1: CJ Gable. Okay. CJ Gable, no, no doubt. Um, I mean, he was so, so instrumental for the Eskimos turning their season around after that six-game losing streak, and I mean, he averaged something like 22 carries. Uh, a game where 22 touches a game. I think he had 600 yards rushing, including the playoffs in five games. You know, he's he's such a pivotal part of their offense. The Eskimos use the run game more than any other team in the CFL. It was just a, a hair above the Calgary Stampeders last season. But to me, C.J. Gable is not just the running aspect and the catching aspect, we've seen that, but he is such a good protector. He's a good blocker. He's one of the best in the league. And, you know, in a game where... You you're familiar with your opponent, Reed, because you know you, you 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 know that their offense and defense and special teams are what they are. They haven't changed as far as teams and coaches go. And really, that's the same thing for the Everton Eskimos. It's week one. You don't have a lot of good film on your opponent. You have to go back to last season. And conceptually, they might stay the same in some areas. Or, or we have you know we have a good idea. They they do certain things the way they do them. They have an identity. But it's week one. You have no idea what's coming. You have no idea what they're going to do on defense differently. You have no idea what they're going to do on offense or special teams. And it goes both ways. But, you know, to me, that's, that's the element of surprise. And when I go back from a protection standpoint, I mean, C.J. Gable is going to have to be really on his feet and cues tomorrow to really know where, where the pressures come. Because the Bombers, still led by defensive coordinator Richie Hall, they do like the pressure still, even though it's kind of hard to do it the way the rules are set up in the CFL. But he likes to send pressure in from different areas, so it's going to be up to CJ being able to, to really understand where the pressure's coming from and help that O-line and help Mike Rally.
0: All right. Dave, we look forward to it. You guys are on at 5 for the countdown to kick off The game will start at 6.30, Eskimos at Bombers. Thanks for making time for everybody. Enjoy your Wednesday night in Winnipeg. Oh, I plan on it, buddy. Thank you so much. That is Dave Campbell checking in, the producer of this show and our uh, Eskimos analyst for the games here on 630 Chet. Uh, and we'll get a little bit of a Winnipeg perspective and learn more about Chris Strebler, the starting quarterback with Doug Brown. He's going to join us between 7.30 and 8. Blue Jays in action tonight, scoreless against Tampa Bay in the bottom of the fifth. The Edmonton Prospects suffered a 9-4 loss in Brooks last night. They're at Brooks again tonight, starting at 7. Next home game for the Prospects prospects at Remax Field, 7 o'clock Friday against Lethbridge. We're coming right back. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos,
1: and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630
0: Chat. Alright, so Sherrod and the Eskimos ready to go in Winnipeg. Tomorrow, the Oilers' preseason schedule has been announced. I know a lot of people were noting no split squad game this year. I know a lot of people didn't like the split squad games. I guess I wasn't a fan of them either because there's one game I can't watch. Often there'd be a game at Rogers Place and another one at the uh, Saddle Dome in Calgary. Monday, September 17th, Oilers at Flames to kick off the preseason. The Oilers will then play at Vancouver, home to Winnipeg on September 20th. Then at Winnipeg, home games against the Canucks, Coyotes and Flames on the 25th, 27th and 29th. Afternoon game on Saturday the 29th. And then the Oilers go to Europe play the Cologne Sharks on October 3rd and then they'll start the uh, regular season in Sweden against the New Jersey Devils. So uh, you can get more on that on 630Ched.com Some guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. Check out the new spring chicken menu with spring-inspired fixins. Start your salivating at NorthChickenYEG.com Excellent place to hang out or pay off a be- uh, bet to Jack Michaels. <laughs> Uh, this is great. This is great because I have been uh, incredibly foolish. I have been incredibly foolish here. Uh, I automatically. What did you do? Well, I automatically come in and put the game. I put the game on Sportsnet. Right. It's a replay of the afternoon game that I gave the score for. Oh. Uh, it was uh, thanks to Oil 10 for catching me. I wasn't even paying attention to that with all the World Cup stuff. Uh, Blue Jays lost one nothing. Now I've also ruined it for people who have maybe watching the replay and thought it was live, like me. Uh, Blue Jays aren't doing well anymore.
2: No, no.
0: They started off strong, but now it's kind of like a bad situation for them. Very bad situation for them. Uh, Jeremy from Glendon, hey Reed, I'm worried about this Bombers quarterback tomorrow. The kid has no pressure on him, knowing that his number one spot is temporary anyway. The kid can just go play ball, and when there's no pressure, that's when under-the-radar players like this excel. Also, the uh, Edmonton Airport debate for the World Cup is junk. The only reason is that it's mentioned is that there's literally nothing wrong in the city. Well, maybe no one told them about the metro line. Did Ukraine qualify? Maybe they can come play a game by the pierogi. (laughs) That is Jeremy from Glendon. Check it in tonight at 6.30, 6.30. I, I think Edmonton will be fine to host World Cup games. Uh, I don't can't tell you about 2026, Jeremy, but Ukraine is not in the World Cup that starts tomorrow. 9 a.m. Edmonton time, Russia and Saudi Arabia. That's the only game tomorrow. Then three games coming up on uh, Friday. I saw Spain. We'll have Kevin Jesus from Global Television on later on in the show. Did you see Spain fired their coach today? One of the top teams in the world. <laughs> just
1: days before their F- first game, their right? fired their coach
0: today. They play, well, Spain plays June 15th. That's Friday. <clears throat> they play Portugal, their hated rival. Spain fires their coach. We'll talk about that. This is the time of year. Speaking on having fun on the on the uh, text line, and by the way, if, I, if, if I'm giving out any scores from, like, 1994 or something, just please correct me. I'm just gonna leave it. I don't on think, e- I don't think I've ever done that before. Like totally oblivious that the Blue Jays <laughs> played in the afternoon, and I got the game on TV, thinking that it's uh, that it's live. Uh, I'm just gonna totally leave miss it, that.
1: I'm just gonna leave that TV on the classic sports channel yeah, for I'll you put one it night, on you ESV can get the classic.
0: Yeah, I'll give out scores from the 1997 World Junior Tournament. So this is the time of year we do. We usually do this before the Grey Cup, before the Super Bowl. We'll do it tonight, the day before the Grey Cup season. You can text in, and this is the beauty thing about it. If you're wrong, we just forget you ever texted. Mm-hmm. If you're right, we celebrate it at the end of the year because we can go back and find your text. Your, your Great Cup prediction, who beats who? You don't, have to, you don't have to give a score, but right before the season, who beats who in the Great Cup? I'm going to say something. Oh, I don't know if I want to say this right now because it's going to alarm people, and I don't want to upset them for the rest of the evening, but I, I have to give my prediction. I'll say it, and I'll apologize for alarming people. This would be a bigger alarm than me giving a score for a game that's been over for three hours. I have a sick feeling in the pit of my stomach that the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are going to win the Great Cup. I'm sorry, that's my prediction. Saskatchewan over a Johnny Manziel quarterback Hamilton Tiger-Cat team in the Great Cup. So you can text your predictions to 630-630 Inside Sports on Chad. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.